0: the voice of motown west virginia's leader in news analysis and rumors proudly presents the voice of motown podcast featuring your boys brandon and tyler
1: take it away gentlemen all right welcome to our podcast on april twelfth, 2022 this is the voice of motown podcast i'm tyler pepe
0: and I'm Brandon Cork, and this is a WVU sports podcast by two suffering WVU fans.
1: All right. Today, we are going to talk about new basketball commitments and discuss the spring football game that's right around the corner. Before we get into all that, please follow us on social media. Just look for the voice of Motown podcast and please drop a comment. We love interacting with other WVU fans.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, make sure you give us a follow on wherever you listen to your podcast so you can make sure you don't miss any episodes.
1: 100%. All right guys, let's jump right into it. First thing, new commitments. We West Virginia basketball has two new commitments as of right now. We got Iowa transfer Joe Troussant, and JUCO transfer Mohammed and we were debating on what how to say his last name. It's either Weg or Wege. So, um I apologize for whichever one's wrong. We're just going to roll with um, Muhammad Waig for right now. But first, let's start with West Virginia's new guard, Joe Troussaint. So after spending the last three seasons with Iowa Hawkeyes, he will have two years of eligibility left for the Mountaineers. And uh, Troussaint is your typical Bob Huggins lockdown defender, it seems like. And, um, you know, the best news, he can be a true point guard from the sounds of it. So what are your thoughts on Drew Troussaint?
0: Yeah, I think he's a great fit. And I think he's an upgrade over Keddie. Um, You know, just looking at his numbers, they don't really pop off the page. But what does to me are his passing numbers. Um, so 3.2 assists per game. And he only played really... 16 minutes a game so i mean if you you know extrapolate that out to a full 30 minute game he's almost at six assists a game which is better than wb's had in years um on top of that he's solid a solid free throw shooter 77 percent um his splits from the field aren't great where he's about 40 from the field 28 from three but you know he definitely makes up for that with defense um and you know being a willing passer. So I'm really excited for him on that. How about uh, you? What do you like about him?
1: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I don't think he's gonna carry, you know, the scoring. But um, that's not really what we need a point guard right now. Um, He does seem like a Katie Johnson clone almost. But um, I think it's good to give Keity some help out there. And um I think this guy will be able to run the point better from everything I've read and saw on him. So I'm excited that we're bringing him in. I think he'll get along with Huggins' style. And another thing I really liked um reading up on him was he ended up losing his starting position last season, and from all accounts he was um a, a really good teammate about it, you know, not causing problems, just playing his role. So um, since we're so guard heavy right now with all these new guys coming in plus we still have Seth Wilson and Kobe Johnson coming back from last year and of course Keity Johnson um, I, I think that's great to hear as well because you know maybe there's some games that Joe doesn't get a whole lot of playing time it it sounds like he's not going to cause a big disruption if that's the case
0: yeah <clears throat> and I think with him um, we could talk about kind of the, the roster construction later and how it affects Keity but I, I think he's just a in my opinion, um, a, a really big upgrade, especially you know defensively where Kitty was pretty good. I, I think Toussaint might be better. Um, so looking at advanced metrics, he had the eighth best defensive box plus minus for any pure point guard in the country. Um, he was the top rated defender overall on Iowa. Um, he had the 39th best assist rate for a pure point guard. He was also the best passer um, in, in terms of assist rate on Iowa. He had the seventh best assist rate in the Big Ten. He also had the number one steal rate for any point guard in the nation. He was first in the Big Ten in steal rate, and fifth best nationally, regardless of position, in terms of steals. So, you know, that's something that I felt like we were missing last year, because Keity would either foul too much or, um, you know, just not really contribute enough offensively. I think, what Kidi was missing last year was that ability to consistently play make without scoring. Um, and it feels like Touss- Toussaint does that pretty well with his passing um, and can help settle us down too whenever we need someone just to co- go in there and run a play, which Huggins complained a lot about last year, not running the sets that he called. So um, good veteran presence who is going to run the offense, move the ball and generate turnovers. So I like it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, And everything you just said, yeah, that, that's what I was seeing too. It, it seemed like his assist-to-turnover ratio was really good, which is great news because, like you said, we were really missing that true point guard presence last year. So um, in, in terms of offense, I think it will be a big upgrade for what we had on our roster. So, uh, yeah, no complaints on this end.
0: Agree, 100%.
1: All right, let's move on to our next guy. Next is West Virginia's new big man, Muhammad Waig, and he is a six foot 10 center who has three years of eligibility left. So um, it seems like he dominated Juco last year. Muhammad was named to the first team Juco All American, and he had nothing but complimentary things to say um about his visit to Morgantown and so it seems like he already fell in love with this place which is great to hear because um as we've seen with Gabe and other guys um guys who come in and just love the atmosphere in Morgantown you know the fans love him right back so um but it's hard to deny that size he's so big and um I don't know maybe I'm over hyping it but this just feels like a big get for Bob Huggins and his coaching staff what do you think yeah
0: I think um you know, looking at the rebound numbers and block numbers, about 12 rebounds per game, three blocks per game on about 65% shooting. Um, you know, that's pretty good. You know, the scoring, I'm not sure how much that's going to translate because it's a whole different level of competition. But I think the rebounding and blocks are going to translate because that's something that really seems to translate from level to level, regardless if you're going from high school to college, college to the pros. If you can rebound and block shots, you figure out a way to do it to the next level. So that's really encouraging. Um, I would like to see him put on a little bit bit of weight from the different sites I've seen. He goes anywhere from 190 to 200 pounds, which is um, less than me, and I'm a foot shorter than him. So, you know, I'd like to see him put on another, like, 20 pounds of muscle or so, um, and he could really handle that big 12 um, big men that he will come up against. Um, The one thing I thought was interesting is Fede Federico was a a big man who committed – I think it was in the fall last year I think he was another Juco guy, and West Virginia has withdrawn his offer. um they've mutually agreed to not um you know go forward with each other anymore after Mohammed has committed to WVU. so it seems like he is a a better version someone who's a little bit more ready than what Federico was and if Huggins has that sort of trust in him to come in and compete for his playing time right away um you know i can't really I can't really doubt hugs. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, it's hard to doubt a a Hall of Fame coach, Um, so that is good news, but yeah, um, I saw that as well. They they must have a lot of hype and faith in Muhammad as well. Uh, Yeah, he averaged almost 15 points per game in Juco, but like you said, that'll probably at least get cut in half in Big 12 play especially. But um, he led the nation in rebounds, offensive rebounds, third in total blocks, and I'm with you. I, I think that will carry over um you do bring up a a good point about his weight though in the big 12 you know even though he's so tall he could get knocked around but um the encouraging thing is we still got three years left so even if um you know next year if he's getting knocked around a little bit the encouraging thing is those last two years he probably will put on that weight and be dominant in the middle for west virginia
0: I think so, too. And and WVU has a great strength and conditioning program. So, you know, I imagine if he gets in here, hopefully before summer, maybe sometime early summer, he'll have several months to bulk up. And, you know, I'm sure he will at least see 15 pounds before he before November rolls around. Um, WVU does a really good job of building up guys' bodies pretty well. Um, and, you know, he, he wasn't someone who, you know, I know there's a lot of WVU fans out there who look at some of the players, that Huggins recruits and be like, why are we going after you know, some some lower-ranked guy. Um, Muhammad was committed or was recruited by several other, you know, pretty decent-sized schools like Wichita State, BYU, San Jose State. I know it's not, you know, your Kansases or Dukes, but WVU just doesn't go after those types of players. And, you know, Wichita State, BYU, those are two schools that have traditionally been pretty successful basketball programs. So if they saw something worth looking at there, you know, I think it's a good – good fit at wvu for sure
1: yeah i'm with you and the other thing is we we seem to be missing bodies in those you know four and five positions and you know obviously this guy's probably going to be a center so um it's good that we're just bringing guys in who can fill those spots and then you know may the best man get the minutes so um i think this is a slam dunk i i love the news of getting this guy
0: 100 yeah i think it's great um Especially with some of the guys I think we're going to talk about next, that may help um, ease Muhammad's transition into that big man role.
1: Yeah, let's get into that. Speaking of new commits, Coach Huggins and his staff—they aren't done. They are working really hard to get more transfers. And some of the names that have popped up, we have um, Arkansas State transfer Norchad Omir is going to visit WVU in the near future. And the coaching staff has strong interest in Kentucky transfers Dante Allen and Bryce Hopkins. So let's dive into these guys. Um, first off, Norchad Omir. He is six foot seven, two hundred thirty pounds, a big physical guy, and um, he's seen as really one of the best transfers available right now um, in a lot of rankings. He's he's in everyone's top five. It seems like. Um, And not only for his size, but he has the ability to score, and he also runs very well. Norchad had 35 double-doubles at Arkansas State, and he won the Sun Belt Player of the Year last year. So, um, you know, another guy with three years of eligibility left because of the COVID year. So if Bob Huggins can snag this guy, I think that would be huge for him and his coaching staff.
0: Oh, absolutely. And we're, we're thin at the four. And I think that's he, where he'd fit perfectly. I mean, even though he's six, seven, I think his length and athleticism seems to be something that can help him out. I mean, uh, even though he was technically a freshman this year, um, he has played two seasons. So it's kind of confusing because of the COVID year thing. Um, but over his career, 15.6 points per game, 12.2 rebounds per game, 1.7 blocks per game, 1.4 steals per game. Um, And then this past season where he scored almost 18 points a game, um, 12.2 rebounds per game, very consistent in that element, Uh, two blocks per game, 1.6 steals per game, and shot 63% from the field and 73% from the free throw line. And those block numbers are amongst the best in the nation. He had the third best defensive rebounding rate in the country last year, the 11th best offensive rebounding rate in the country last year, and, you know, it, it just goes to show that he, his rebounding, again, something that we struggled at last year, is going to translate. And so it would be a huge get to bring in someone like O'Meara in here and have him go, go crazy with the scoring and rebounding right away.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, he already visited Miami, who um, seems to be our arch rival right now when it comes to transfers and all sports. But – um I haven't seen an exact date for when he's coming, but I have seen reports that say, you know, it's very soon. So hopefully, um, you know, we're one of his last options because, like I said, I think if we could get him, I think that would be huge and give WVU fans a lot of hope for next season.
0: Yeah. And the one thing I like about him, too, is that he last season, he really kind of it seemed like expanded his game a little bit. He only shot two or I think three three three-pointers. Um, which isn't a nothing to write home about, but from two point range outside of the paint, he was shooting fifty two percent from mid range, so that's that's pretty darn good. And you know his free throw rate increasing to seventy three percent, he could maybe become someone who can hit some corner threes from you, especially with you know someone like him who seems to have a pretty good work work ethic. Um, another encouraging thing is he shot seventy percent at the rim last year, and he had forty two dunks last year as well, so um he's someone who WV could have used last year to be completely honest because we had no one who could finish around the rim and i can maybe count a handful of dunks that we had all season so um omir would fit right in um if we had a time machine and could go back to last year
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i couldn't agree more Um, let's talk about the Kentucky boys a little bit. Dante Allen seems to, um, be popping up a lot because, um, they, they, all reports were saying that Huggins, um, was having dinner with them not that long ago and everyone was tweeting about it, but, um, looking at his size, he's six foot six, almost 200 pounds. And this is a guy Huggins tried recruiting when he was coming out of high school, before he picked Kentucky. So um, it's a guy he's familiar with. He probably already has a relationship with. So that's good news. Um, however, for whatever reason, he didn't play very much last season for Kentucky. But uh once again, still three years left due to the COVID year. So um I love the fact that Hugs is going after guys who he can actually build up and um, get some chemistry with not just these one and done guys. So another guy that, you know, if I hear the news he's coming to West Virginia, I'm going to be pretty excited about that.
0: Yeah. And really the only knock on him was that, you know, he was kind of lack of days going on defense for Kentucky. Um, I think hugs could fix that for him. Um, you know, if you look at his numbers though, in terms of shooting, he shot, 40% on three point, his redshirt freshman year, which is outstanding. Um, he only played 14 minutes a game, didn't get a ton of run, but his, his shooting's there. Um, and he has the pedigree, too a former five star recruit, top 100 player nationally. He had offers from Auburn, Florida, Louisville, Illinois. Um, the list goes on and on. And, you know, a lot of people see him as someone who could develop into an NBA type guy. Um, they said athletically, he's not great, but where he really excels is he's a good shooter from three off the catch. He's equipped to score on the move off one or two dribble pull ups. He's also confident, um, good at creating space, um, you know. And if he develops, he could definitely have a chance of being an NBA type guy. Um, right now, WBU is kind of battling off some, you know, fairly regional foes in Cincinnati, Xavier, um, and then of course Wisconsin has come knocking recently, as well as um, Iona in Northern Kentucky. So, you know, I think offensively he's someone that WVU could use. Um, I'm not really concerned about the defensive aspect because with all the other guys, it seems like we're really prioritizing people with defense. And, you know, if you have one guy who maybe isn't the world's greatest defender, but he can score the ball. I think that's a trade off that I'm willing to take, especially when they're six foot six.
1: Sure. Yeah. I'm with you. Plus, um, You know, I'm sure he's got guys in his ear saying, "Hey, if you're not willing to play defense, definitely don't go to West Virginia because Huggins is not shy about benching guys who aren't willing to put the effort in on the defensive end." So, um, if if he's coming, I'm going to assume that he is willing to commit to that side of the court. So, um, yeah, if we could get him, that would be huge. (laughs) And um the other guy from Kentucky Bryce Hopkins he's six foot six as well but he's listed as 220 pounds also has three years left and when he came out of high school he was a top 40 prospect so once again if coach Hugs can snag him and have three years to work with him um I think that would be good news for West Virginia fans
0: yeah definitely I mean he, he seems like more of a inside type of guy right now with you know, some development needed for his outside perimeter game. Um, and in, in my opinion, you know, I, I think obviously with the the um, pedigree of him, you know, the top 40 player nationally, five-star player, four years of eligibility, I, I think he's someone who could definitely fit right in. Um, you know, if I had to choose between Hopkins and Allen, I might lean Allen just because of that shooting ability. Um, it's something that I feel like is – you know, guaranteed he comes here, he's going to shoot the ball at least 35% from three. Um, and we need that, uh, especially with all the guys that we've had leaving uh, with Hopkins is a little bit more of a question. And if we get Omir too, um, Hopkins and Omir kind of seem like similar guys, except that maybe Omir is a little bit more polished at this stage, but still I wouldn't say no to him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think this is good. It's good to hear that um, Hugs and his coaching staff are going after these, you know, former four five-star recruits in the transfer portal. I think they're starting to figure it out a little bit because it seems like smaller schools like West Virginia who aren't considered, you know, the top of the top, like Kansas basketball or Alabama football. Um, it seems like they were kind of being the teams left out in this new transfer rule. But um, honestly, I, I like what I'm seeing from West Virginia's basketball team, who they're talking to, who they're bringing in. It seems like we're slowly starting to figure this out, and maybe we can put a team together that can be pretty competitive next year.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And um, the last guy we wanted to talk about was Jake Stevens. Now, he's not coming to West Virginia, but um, last week, if you listen to the podcast – Brad was talking about him because he's a West Virginia native and um, you know, it, it seemed like a perfect fit for him to come to Morgantown, but Jake Stevens is leaving VMI and he is following his head coach, Dan Earl to Chattanooga. So thoughts on that? Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I thought Stevens would be an interesting guy to bring into to WVU. Um, I'm not sure how well he would fit with Huggins style. He does seem like a bigger, slower guy at 6'11", 266. But Evan Maya, who's kind of like the big name in the transfer portal rankings right now, actually had him as the ninth best transfer recruit. And you don't always come across a guy who can hit um, 48 or 49 percent of his three-pointers last year. Um, So he's definitely an established shooter, albeit against lesser competition. But, you know, that would have been a really intriguing get um, here at WVU. Um, But I can understand him going to Chattanooga, keeping that familiarity with the coach who's going to use him the way where he succeeds best. Where at WVU, I have a feeling he'd kind of be splitting his time in the paint and on the perimeter, and it might be a little bit more of a question mark on how he would do there. And if Huggins is kind of determined to bring back Press Virginia, someone who's 6'11", 266, isn't going to be able to play more than five minutes at a time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I think it's just conflicting styles, but man, looking at some of his stats, like you said, he's a huge guy, but he shot 55% from the field, 49% from three and 80% from the free throw line. That's just so, so hard not to be impressed with stats like that from a big guy. Um, But I think you're right. You know, I just think his style and hug style probably didn't really mesh. And of course, you know, anytime you can follow your head coach and know what you're, gonna have to deal with um you know i I totally understand why he made the decision he did yeah absolutely all right yeah so we are going before we wrap up basketball we're just going to talk about um you know basically who's on our roster as of right now so i'll let you take that away
0: sure so right now wbu has two openings left um and um it's kind of interesting how the roster is constructed so i'm you know kind of interested to see how hug's ends up rolling out these rotations. But right now, what it looks like is we have four point guards with Ketty, Kobe, uh, Joe Toussaint, and Josiah Davis, who's uh, one of the new freshmen coming in. Um, He's a West Virginia kid. Um, Two shooting guards with Seth Wilson and Eric Stevenson, the the new transfer from the portal from South Carolina. At small forward, uh, Jamel King and Josiah Harris, who Josiah Harris is going to be a freshman coming in from Ohio. Um, one of the best players coming out of Ohio, actually. Um, at Power Forward, only one guy with Pat Sumanik, who's actually um, another Juco All American that is committed to WBU. Um, so he'll be here next year. And you can kind of see why WBU's recruiting heavily more Power Forwards because we're a little thin there. And then two centers with James Okonkwo and Muhammad Waig. So, um, you know, looking at how the roster is currently distributed. If you were Huggins or someone on Huggins staff, what would you try to fill out the most? What would you prioritize going after?
1: So I'm th- I'm thinking the the middle. I'm thinking small forward, power forward, um, or a guy who can maybe wiggle around and do both because that seems like we're we're the thinnest. Honestly, guards we have a ton of guards right now, so it would be great to snag a great one. But I mean, it's not really a need. Um, I think getting Muhammad and Okonko down there, I think you're pretty good in the middle. So, yeah, I would say hopefully they're doing their best to fill those forward positions because we're pretty thin there.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's where I would go. And I think it kind of matches the guys that we're linked to with um, Hopkins, Allen and Omir. Um, those are guys who kind of fit right in that three, four spot. The only thing that I'm kind of concerned with at the center position is, you know, if we get, you know, with Zumanik, is he someone who can play the center at all? If we would end up getting Omir, is he someone who could play some minutes at the center? Because with Akonklu being so young and then Waig being so thin and needing some time to develop, that could be a front court that could get taken advantage of in the Big 12. Now it all depends on the development of, of those two guys over the next six months or so, but... Um, you know i definitely i mean i wish i could take two forwards in the center um unfortunately i don't think that's in the cards but um yeah that's kind of my thought on it
1: yeah i agree with you and plus we know how hugs loves to play two basically you know centers at the same time which you yeah, know i'm not a huge fan of but uh he clearly likes it so i wouldn't be shocked honestly if they brought in another really big guy who could play center and the four position. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Like you said, it it seems like they're going for the three and four spots based on who they've been in talks with lately.
0: Definitely. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I guess players have another two and a half weeks or so until May 1st to enter the portal. So there's still time for someone unexpected to pop up. And um, who knows what Huggins will do last minute. Um, trying to bring in someone out of the blue. And another thing, too, is, you know, I, I don't know how it works with, you know, signing days when the next signing day is, but with all these transfers, maybe some unexpected recru- recruit pops back up coming out of high school who could could become available. Um, you know, I'm thinking someone like Devin Ebanks E-bank last minute. Now that was a little bit more of a freak situation where Kelvin Sampson got fired due to recruiting violations and Ebanks got freed up. But, you know, things happen, so depending on where guys move, um, there's lots of situations where WVU could end up with another really good player or two.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And I don't know if I'm just being like the typical WVU fan who's, uh, you know, easily buying into the hype, but just, um, you know, some of the moves they made lately, it is kind of getting me excited for next year. I'm not going to say, you know, we're going to be a top three Big 12 team or anything, but um, I think it's looking a lot better now than it was, say, two weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I think if we're going to press Virginia, I, I really like it. Um, I would like to see really badly another really good shooter. That's why I'm really kind of hyped for, you know, if we could get Dante <laughs> Allen, because uh, the guys that we have brought in, their shooting splits aren't great, so we need someone who could stretch the floor a little bit and help those guys get some space inside.
1: For sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, even though we did have some good shooters last year, overall, we weren't a good shooting team. But the only problem was we we weren't elite defensively like Hugs teams normally can be. So, um, you know, at least he is leaning one way, at least, you know, at least it does look like Press Virginia's possibly back, because as I'm sure everyone saw on social media, West Virginia's page. Put Press Virginia out there, and you know, everyone lost their mind. I'm gonna, (laughs) I'm not gonna get too excited about that yet, but uh, it does seem like that's the way the coaching staff is leaning right now,
0: yeah. And I think it makes sense, that's where we've had the most success. And these guys that we're bringing in are chippy, defensive minded guys, so um, yeah, I I think it makes sense, and I think it's the best fit moving forward,
1: yeah. For sure. So let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about some football. Um, Before we get into spring practice and the spring game, we got um, Nick Troy Fortune. After playing three seasons at West Virginia, Fortune announced he will be transferring to the University of Texas in San Antonio. Um, Now, obviously, Charles Woods emerged after Fortune's injury last season, and that could have played a role. But um, Daryl Porter Jr. has already transferred out, and that leaves a spot wide open at the cornerback position. Um, so it was a bit of a head-scratcher that Fortune decided not only to transfer, but then to go to a, a pretty small school. And the other odd thing is he's from Georgia. So it's not like Texas is close to home for him. Um, so I don't know, just a lot of things that you know, make your eyebrows go up. So what do you think of this decision?
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting, especially with all the departures that we've had. But, you know, it could have been something, too, where the coaching staff at WVU talked to him and said, hey, we have, I mean, our, the strongest part of our recruiting classes was our defensive backs that we've brought in, both JUCOs and um, kids out of high school. So the the coaching staff could have just been like, hey, you know, we're probably might be leaning towards playing these guys a little bit more. Um, and." you don't want to sit on the bench and you end up at a smaller school. I mean, it's a playing time thing. I think that would be my read of the situation. Um, Especially if he didn't end up going to a school that another school, that's in the power five conference. So um, I I don't think he left because he didn't like it here. I think he left for playing time.
1: I'm with you. That's kind of the feeling I got as well since, you know, it's not a going back home situation i think you know playing time is the most obvious thing it's hard to get in these kids heads and realize you know what their decision is but um you know he had season ending season ending knee surgery so um i don't know i don't know if that was 100 percent healed and although Fortune has been a good serviceable cornerback, I mean he's only got one career interception. So it's not like we're we're losing like this guy who's irreplaceable. And there's been some names at cornerback that have really popped up lately, which we'll get into here in a minute. So um, you know, I just hope fans handle it well, wish them all the best. I think it's just worked out for both sides, honestly. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I agree. And I wish him the best of luck at UTSA. I mean, that's an up and coming program. So um, he can go there and lead a defense of young players and, you know, hopefully build up their defense with his ability.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I don't want to talk down that program either, because I mean, they had a pretty good year last year. They they had a season that I'm sure most West Virginia fans wish that we would have (laughs) had records wise. So, um, you know, it is lower level, but it's not like he's going to some terrible team right so let's move on um west virginia spring game is at one o'clock on saturday april 23rd so it's right around the corner and um you know we just want to start breaking down some of the stuff we've seen pop up in spring practice and some of the things that we've heard coach brown talk about lately so i'll let you start us off
0: sure so the one thing that i think is really interesting and actually gets me a little excited is that you know Several of the offensive players are saying that the offense just feels more fun. Uh, Zach Frazier, Tony Mathis have both said that, you know, it just, uh, we, we're going to score points this year. The offense is fun. It, the practices are fun. And when things are fun, things come easier. So that's really encouraging to me. Um, the second thing that I have that um, is really encouraging is that we're seeing a lot more designed or option QB runs. Um, so apparently the coaching staff believes that all three quarterbacks that we have right now are capable of running, not just Garrett green. Um, so, you know, what they're doing now is they're practicing more zone reads on offense. They're running a lot more plays where instead of just designing a handoff to the running back, they're actually giving the quarterback the option to keep it. And they're emphasizing when the quarterback should be keeping it. You know, um, coach Brown was talking about how their offensive system is an inside zone run system. and to help open that up, it's important to have someone who can knows when to pull it and go around the outside to keep the defense honest. And we saw that. I mean, that's part of WVU's heritage, basically, at this point with the Rich Rod's offense. Um, we were one of the pioneers there. And circling back on that, getting guys out there on the field, they're athletic enough to run it. Um, and then actually using it is something that's music to my ears because it, it would help out a ton.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I love hearing that because, you know, when once again, I mean, WVU isn't a top of the line, you know, we're going to pull in a bunch of five star guys. So you do need offenses that are, you know, hard to prepare for. They're a little gimmicky. And, um, you know, uh, I like hearing that having a, a QB who can run. It just adds a whole nother dimension to what you can call and what you can do out there. So I love hearing that. And maybe that's why we're hearing Garrett Green's name pop up so much. Um, it sounds like out of all the quarterbacks, he's performing the best. And, um, you know, maybe that's why, because he does have so many reps with a read option and and stuff like that. Plus, of course, he's got more experience. Um, but, yeah, just breaking down some of the things, uh, what I'm going to be looking for is definitely QB since we're talking about it. I'll be very interested to see how all the QBs perform. I know Crowder's a little banged up right now with an ankle, but, um, you know, it's nothing serious. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets any reps, but obviously Nico and green will get a lot. And, um, you know, obviously spring games don't reveal a ton because you can't make a lot of contact with quarterbacks, but, um, it'll be fun just to see what their, how their decision making is and to get some, you know, live action really.
0: Yeah. I'm excited for that too. And the one thing that I kind of want to watch a little bit closer for is during the last practice, it seemed like Garrett Green and Caden Prather were kind of developing a rapport together. Um, I was reading through the, um, one of the sites listed out all the plays they ran through their scrimmage, and it seemed like seventy-five percent of the balls that Green was throwing was to Prather, and that really makes me happy because I, I'm a huge Prather fan. Um, I think he could be great, and seeing that Green, who is you know kind of seems like he has the foot ahead of the other competition right now, and Prather, you know, developing some sort of connection is only going to help out our offense. So, um, the, definitely want to see more of the QB competition. I want to see you know, how good, how how much strides Garrett Green has made as a passer and decision maker. And then I also want to see if that Green and their connection that on paper sounds like it's happening is actually going to be happening in the air.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, and plus, you know, we still got JT Daniels decision lo- looming over all of this. So um, yeah, it'll just be very interesting to see how QB plays out in the next few weeks. Uh, but since we're talking about offense, another big thing, you know, without this coming together, none of this means anything. And that's our offensive line. Um, everybody's going to be looking to see how they improve uh, this spring, the spring game and then heading into the fall. And I heard Coach Neil Brown talking up Gmitter and Nestor, which is great to hear. Um, but obviously seeing is believing we we want to see them out there and see what they look like. But, um, you know, just looking at the offensive line going into next year, we know Zach Frazier, you know, 99% sure he's going to be solid. I think Nestor is probably going to have a better overall year. Um, it seems like he got off to a bit of a slow start last year. I think since he's been in Morgantown for a season already, I think coming in next year, he's really going to make huge strides. And um, so to me, the other three guys are really the ones who are question marks and are going to have to prove themselves. But, um, you know, just my opinion, I think the fact that it's the same unit really coming back will be a huge benefit. Every coach, every football expert talks about cohesion with an offensive line and how important that is. And, um, you know, I think coming into this year, we're going to see big improvements. What do you think?
0: I think so too. You know, and I think moving, um, Milam to left tackle is, is a good move too, because, you know, he started off pretty, pretty up and down last year, but he finished pretty strong. Um, so, you know, I think moving him, um, I think he's the best tackle we have to left tackle. Protecting our quarterback's blind side is a great, great move. Um, I'm interested to watch, you know, my question on the offensive line was, you know, who gets the most reps at right tackle? I know Brandon Yates was kind of penciled in there before practice started. He's banged up. Jaquay Hubbard's been taking snaps there. And he's someone who, you know, I thought maybe should have got a little bit more you know, reps there last year. Um, so I want to see what that split looks like. And if there's some dark horse who we're not talking about yet, that could end up at that right tackle job, because I think that's wide open.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, yeah. I mean, we we keep talking about how the offense will be more fun and quarterback, but uh, you know, we can't forget it. It's all going to start up front because that was a big issue last year. But uh, like I said, um I I do think we'll see big improvements. Um, A lot of my notes are about defense. Is there anything you wanted to talk about wide receiver running backs wise?
0: Yeah, I have a couple. Um, So for running back, I'm interested to see how they split up the reps. Um, So it looks like Tony Mathis is going to be replacing Letty Brown. Um, It seems like he has the lead right now, but we still have Lynn J. Dixon. Um, I know he's made some explosive plays. Jalen Anderson has been someone that Neil Brown has talked about a lot over practice um i know he's gotten a lot of work and justin johnson who played some last year um is obviously still getting work too and i think all four backs are super talented and i think you know while tony mathis has the lead because of the way he finished the season last year i I still think any of those other three backs could take the lead so i'm just interested to see how they all look um especially since we didn't get to see a lot of justin johnson last year we didn't get to see any of jalen anderson and obviously lynn J dixon um it'll be the first time he's played in a, a whatever a season maybe a season and a half he didn't play much for Clemson last year so um really interested to see how that shakes out
1: yeah I'm with you um and I agree it seems like every running back on our roster is capable of getting reps this year which is great I mean obviously Letty Brown was a great player and a fan favorite but um there was times last year it seemed like they just kept giving him reps and reps and reps. Whereas I think this year they will spread it out more. And I think that might be beneficial because you're going to have a lot of fresh legs out there for an offense that is probably going to be playing quick. And so to have fresh legs out there, um, I think it's going to be huge. And yeah, Mathis looked great at the end of last year, but Dixon seems like he's going to be a big change of speed, just a quick guy who can hit a home run every now and then. So Um, and like you said with the other guys who got some playing time last year um, seemed very serviceable so I'm excited at running back honestly
0: yeah I'm kind of excited for Jalen Anderson I think you know even if this year isn't his year I think you know in a couple years as long as he doesn't transfer out he could be the guy because his high school numbers were, were really good and he was someone who not only excelled as a runner but also as a pass catcher and you know, from the, the recaps that I've read and the things that Neil Brown said, it sounds like all those things he did in high school weren't just you know high school things that happen to great players. They're translating to college. So, he's someone that uh, I want to see. I want to see in person. I want to see the real thing and see how he looks. So, um, I always love the young players. He came in super late last year. I think he didn't enroll until um, September when the season actually started. Um, so, um, he. Like Coach Brown said, he basically redshirted himself, but uh, now we get him to see him. Um, so I'm excited for that. Uh, I had one more thing for the offense. Um, so it seems like Sam James um, has been playing the slot role. Um, now part of that maybe because of um Reese being injured. Um, and but you know, Sam James in my mind kind of should be that next heir apparent at the slot because I think he's more dynamic. And we've seen the highs of Sam James. We've seen the lows of Sam James. And I'm really interested to see which Sam James we see this year because, you know, again, we've seen the coaching staff say positive things about him. We have Graham Harrell, who comes from that coaching tree of people who know how to get receivers open um, and get them in good opportunities. And I think Sam James, you know, athletically is one of the most athletically gifted receivers that we have in terms of speed and agility. Um, It's just about getting him into opportunities where he can make catches without having issues with drops um, and getting open. So um, I'm really interested to see how that works, because Winston Wright was our most dynamic offensive weapon last year. And Sam James kind of fits that same mold. So I'm hoping that he can replicate that. And it's all going to start with the spring game to see how he's utilized, what they're going to do with him, and how he handles that.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Um, It's really, this is it for Sam James. I mean, it seems like every year coming in, a lot of people are hyping him up because on paper, he does have great skills. And we have seen little flashes in the pan of him uh, being able to take over a game. But yeah, um, I'm with you. And I like the fact that he's getting reps. Like, I don't know, I would want Sam James to play over Uh, Reese Smith, personally, not that I don't want to see Smith on the field. I mean, he's able to make plays here and there, but um, I would definitely want to see Sam James getting the majority of those. Um, But yeah, uh, you've mentioned it earlier. And of course, every West Virginia fan, Prather is the big X factor. Um, He's definitely talented, and now he's going to get the opportunity. And, um, you know, Bryce Ford Wheaton is really a guy who doesn't get a ton of talk. He's just a solid guy that you know you're going to get production out of him while he's out there. So I think our wide receiver group is in good hands.
0: Yeah, I mean those three. I mean Prather and Ford Wheaton are are big, fast, athletic guys, and that's a scary duo. If you know you can figure out how to utilize them, and then Sam James with his speed in the slot. If if Graham Harrell can figure it all out, this offense could be scoring points because. I feel like with that speed and size combination and mixed with the depth we have at running back, if we can figure it out with the, the quarterback and offensive line solid, um this could be the best offense we've seen since Dana for sure. Yeah,
1: since yeah, probably the the best offense we'll see since Neil Brown's been hired. I agree with you. Um, but yeah, looking at the defense, lots of question marks and fun things to talk about here. So we'll start with cornerbacks since we were just talking about Nick Choi Fortune. Um, with Fortune out, that leaves a big opening there. And the name I keep seeing and hearing pop up is Andrew Wilson Lamp. It, it seems like as of today, he's probably the favorite to, to take that starting role along with Charles Woods. And, um, you know, I wonder if... If that had to do with fortune leaving because Wilson Lamp looks so impressive, it, it it's hard to tell. But um yeah, who do you think's the favorite taking over that spot?
0: Yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting that he's the one taking reps there, especially since they brought in Mark Floyd um from Murray State. He was an all American at the FCF's level. Um, but Floyd is actually taking over the cat role for what Mahone did. So someone who is an all American at FCS playing um, corner um, and moving him to safety and Andrew Wilson's lamp moving to corner. I think that says something about Wilson lamp and, you know, with lamp, he's a bigger corner. I think he's like six, two and he was highly recruited coming out of high school. I think he was a four star. Um, A lot of people had him as a wide receiver, but WVU saw potential in him at corner. So I'm, I'm really interested to see, like you said, what, what he looks like because a bigger corner who the coaching staff thinks is ready for that role. And maybe it's just because some of the younger true freshman guys aren't ready yet, or maybe Wilson lamp is that guy. Um, I'm really intrigued because another red shirt freshman coming in, you know, pretty highly touted guy. Um, hopefully he comes in, he can start, he can be an impact player and we don't have to say his name next year um, that he's entering the transfer portal.
1: <laughs> yeah, here's here's hoping. Um, but yeah, just sticking with the secondary. I you know, this is my biggest worry next year, is honestly just how our secondary will handle the past since there's gonna be so many new bodies back there. So at safety, um, the biggest question mark, if you ask me, is the safety position. I've seen Neil Brown praise guys like um Malinger and Burks in his press conference, but um you know, other than St. McLeod, we haven't seen a ton of reps from a lot of these guys. And as we all know, St. McLeod is still recovering from that wild incident. So just so many question marks. Um, But we got guys like Coleman, Muhammad, Ruffin, Wilcox. Who do you think is going to be, you know, filling in those spots that we don't really know what we're going to be getting?
0: So... I I alluded to him once before, Um, Mark Floyd, I I think, or Merrick Floyd. I don't know if I typed it wrong or what what it is on my screen, but the transfer from Murray State, I do think he's someone who needs to play somewhere. I mean, if you're an All-American, even at FCS level, you should be able to play in some way, shape, or form um, at the FBS level. And our our defensive schemes are pretty good. So I I do want to see him at some spot. I'm not sure what spot that is yet. Um, But the other guy that I want to see is uh, Hershey McLaurin, the the Juco kid we got um, over the offseason. And and I like him because he's smart. Um, He seems like a ball hawk. He's big. He's like 6'2". He's that guy who used to play quarterback and then moved the defense when he went to Juco. And I think he's someone that I would love to see at free safety because he just seems like someone who'd be a perfect fit there. And maybe it's just learning terminology. Maybe it's just getting the feel for that transition and skill from Juco to, um, you know, FBS. But I, you know, I really think that he's the guy that I want to see at free safety. Um, and then that leaves kind of one spot open, which I'm hoping that St. McLeod can make a speedy recovery and fill in that spot because he finished the season pretty strong. He was a really, really good tackler. Um, he showed potential in coverage and, you know, as a freshman, you know, someone who, could, could really take a big step up in terms of role and um, presence on that defense next year. So those are the three guys that I'm kind of keying in on. Obviously, Mallinger, Ruffin, Burks are names that I've heard a lot too. And um, it's good to have a rotation back there, especially from those safety positions, because those are guys who are kind of doing a little bit of everything.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And I think it's good. um, You know, the coaching staff has options because, you know, competition's a good thing. So these next few weeks with the practice, with the spring game, I think, um, you know, it's probably going to become a little more clear as these next few weeks play out. Um, Another thing I wanted to talk about, linebacker, which, you know, at first I was, I was kind of worried about, but the more I did some research and digging, I'm feeling pretty good at linebacker. I'm sure you've been seeing the videos lately with Lee Copa. You know, mm-hmm. he looks like a a beast at linebacker. Um, so, what are your thoughts on him?
0: Oh yeah, that that was one of the notes that I had as well. Is you know Lee Copa um, taking over for uh, Josh Chandler Someto and the the difference in play styles that they have where where Kokeja is you know just so much faster. Um, So much more aggressive. And I I think that gives the entire defense a different look on what we can do. I mean, we remember when we had guys like Tony fields and David long and others in the middle of that defense who could really fly around, it changed the whole complexion of how our defense operated Add on top of that with guys like Dixon coming back um, who I think has the most potential probably out of anyone on the defense. Um, He has the side, he's a great athlete. He's young. Um, he really finished the season strong, and unfortunately he was banged up and missed some games. But, you know, he's a great athlete as well, and he can cover and tackle and everything else. And then you have guys like Jared Bartlett, who if you've seen pictures of him over the offseason, it looks a little bit James Harrison-ish, where he's just absolutely jacked. Um, and then Lyle Carr, who, who played pretty well last year as well. So um, I think this year our linebacking core is probably the most athletic as it's ever been. And um, the one guy we haven't even mentioned who played a lot last year is X3 Low. I think he's back on the team as well. So we have a lot of bodies. And, you know, I think maybe I personally overreacted when Chandler Samato left because I wasn't thinking of um, Copa, you know, just being that impact guy in the middle of the defense. But it definitely seems like he's trending that way.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Maybe I'm misremembering, but is x re Low, I thought he transferred. Did he transfer out? No, that was uh Cowan. I know Cowan did. Yeah, maybe I'm misremembering. But yeah, um, like you said, Copa, Dixon, Bartlett look to be the favorites to be taking those roles. But um, you know, things could change because there are talented guys behind them. But um, you know, as of right now, if those are the three we're rolling with next year, I wouldn't be super concerned. Um, you know, on paper, I think we look solid at linebacker, honestly.
0: Yeah yeah definitely I mean I feel pretty good about it I, I feel really good about our front seven
1: i did i yeah I do as well honestly, I didn't even write a whole bunch for our defensive line because, um you know most of the guys we're gonna be seeing there are guys we've seen take reps and they they yeah I'm not concerned i I think we're gonna be fine up front,
0: yeah, definitely, and that's one thing that you know I don't know what the change has been, but under Holgerson, it seemed like we had such a hard time bringing in guys who were big enough to play on the defensive line and we were always kind of reaching and grasping at straws to bring in guys who could handle that role and now it seems like we're two maybe even three deep at a lot of these positions on the defensive line and it's just awesome I mean it's something that you know I think presents a lot of problems for offensive lines because it changes the way the defense plays whenever you can create pressure with three or four guys uh, it gives you a lot more flexibility on what you can do with defensively. And finally, WVU is able to do that. And that's going to help out a lot with the question marks in, this, in the secondary this year as well, too, I think.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. And, you know, if you can get pressure with just a few guys, that just leaves more opportunities for big plays, maybe turnovers, um, which, you know, I thought was the really the only thing missing from our defense last year was, you know, at times they couldn't get that big turnover that could, you know, shift the momentum your way. They were great at making the other team punt, but unfortunately we couldn't move the ball most of the time. So, um, you know, like I said, with basketball, maybe I'm being a typical WVU fan and just talking myself into next year. But, um, you know, on paper, I, I feel okay about it as of right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we've made a lot of positive change. I think we brought in some really talented guys, whether it be from Transfer Portal, whether it be from, you know, just high school recruits. And, you know, I I think that the coaching staff starting to say the right things, they're communicating more, there's more transparency. So I think a lot of the negatives that happened over the past three or four months are subsiding a little bit because I think Neil Brown's starting to get it. And whether it's that extra pressure from the losing, or if it's just something that took time for him to adjust a lot of positive signs, but that could all change come October. So Um, I'm optimistic, but don't, don't break my heart. Don't break my heart, Neil.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing, you know, um, you know, obviously people have been hard on him, but, um, he was a young head coach when he came to West Virginia. It's not like he was this, you know, old grizzle vet with like tons of years of experience under his belt, that head coach. And, um, I think he's starting to finally learn that, that, you know, delegation's a good thing. It seemed like he was pretty hands-off the defense most of the time. So defense is, you know, I I feel like our guys over there can coach him up. But I think he finally realized that, you know, it's okay to back off the offense a little and just let the guys that he brought in and trust to to coach his players up. And then he can kind of get a whole view of the team instead of being, you know, kind of tunnel vision offense, which I think is good because the head coach needs to – you know, know what's going on on both sides of the ball and be able to communicate with everyone on the team, not just offense. So I give a lot of credit to him. It, it seems like we're watching him grow each year, but um, we're going to need to see some results for all the fans to get on board with all that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think what's going to help too is even if we do end up going something like six and six or something like, it, like that again, I think just seeing improvements on offense is going to go a long way this year. Um, Last year was just so painful going such long stretches where we couldn't move the ball. We couldn't get a first down. Um, Having a new offensive-minded head coach in there and someone who seems to be a little bit more flexible, a lot less rigid than what Neil Brown and his play calling system has been um, is going to, I think, make people want to watch football again. I mean, when you think of the Dana years, even when the teams were bad and we hated the quarterbacks and, the defense or the defense was atrocious. I still wanted to watch the games because we're going to put up 40 points. I mean, it's just fun, you know, and then you get to the end of the game and it's just a shootout. Not saying I want to play a whole bunch of shootout games, but I want to see the team score points because that's the funnest part of the game.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. No one wants to see a bunch of three and outs from your offense. Um, And yeah, that's the biggest thing Neil Brown needs to sell next year. is just hope and potential. I mean, obviously, we can't have a horrible record, but um, you know, he he doesn't have to win the Big 12 next year, which obviously no one's predicting. He just has to sell us on hope that there's progress, that you know it's coming. Which you know, last year we, I don't think any WVU fan got that feeling after watching that season. So, um, yeah, lots of lots of good things um, early on for the next football season. You got anything else before we wrap it up?
0: No, just uh, enjoy this time of year, everyone. Um, it is the best time of the year because WV cannot lose a basketball <laughs> or football game between this month and September. So enjoy it while you can. I'm going to be as optimistic and happy as possible. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about the whole situation.
1: <laughs> yeah, 100%. And, you know, even though we don't really cover baseball, that's not really our our thing. Um, you know, the baseball team's looking great. So if you're a baseball fan, it's just, it's a good time to be a Mountaineer fan. So thank you guys for listening and we will catch you all next week.
0: Thanks everyone.